Hello world and welcome back. This is Gary Go by Cutica Health with your host, Taman. Today we're looking at the topic, why does my child keep bedwetting? Why does my child keep bedwetting? So first things first, we need to know, what is bedwetting? Bedwetting, medically termed nocturnal enuresis, is the involuntary passage of urine when one is sleeping. This is fairly common in infancy and early childhood, as this age group represents the potty training years when children learn bladder training and voluntary control of urination. In fact, during these years, children may wet the bed every night or on most nights. Most children would have achieved some degree of bladder control by the time they turn four. Bladder control involves the coordinated action of the muscles and nerves of the bladder and the central nervous system, which includes the brain and spinal cord. Although the age at which children achieve bladder control is not cast in stone, many children still wet their bed up to the age of five. What is outside the normal range, however, is when a child continues to wet the bed beyond the age of six or seven, the age at which a child is expected to have attained full bladder control. Boys are more commonly affected than girls. So what causes bedwetting? This question I'm certain has crossed the mind of every parent whose child had to endure this. But contrary to what most parents may assume, most cases of bedwetting do not arise from an underlying disease. There is only a small group of children whose bedwetting results from an underlying illness. Now there are two types of bedwetting, primary and secondary bedwetting. Primary bedwetting describes bedwetting that has continued since early childhood. In this type, bedwetting begins in a child's potty training years and does not resolve after the age when a child should achieve full bladder control. Secondary bedwetting, on the other hand, describes bedwetting that resumes after at least six months of not wetting the bed. If a child stops bedwetting for at least six months, only to start again, this is called secondary bedwetting. Now, why this division? This categorization of bedwetting helps to determine the underlying illness. Primary bedwetting often results from failure to achieve bladder control. The coordination of urine flow that is controlled by a child's nervous system and urinary organs is not fully developed. Hence, the child cannot hold urine while asleep. This is the more common type of bedwetting. In children who have attained this milestone, a full bladder awakens them to go to the toilet. This is the role of the brain and spinal cord in the urination process. In children with primary bedwetting, this coordination is absent while they sleep. Secondary bedwetting usually occurs in a child who has previously achieved bladder control and it is usually a sign of an underlying medical or psychological problem. Common causes of secondary bedwetting include number one, structural abnormality of the urinary organs, number two, nervous system problems that disturb bladder control, number three, diabetes, number four, urinary tract infection, number five, constipation which is impaction of feces, can cause straining when a child attempts to pass stool. This may injure the sphincters and muscles controlling urine flow. On to the next one, number six, emotional problems such as parental neglect, problems at school, starting school, etc. Number seven, sleep disturbances. Number eight, genetic predisposition. Bedwetting runs in some families, such that parents who wet the bed as children may have children who experience the same. And number nine, medications. Medications or even drinks containing caffeine may cause bedwetting in a child who may not have experienced such. On to our next question. 
can bedwetting be treated? Bedwetting is treatable and often requires a multidisciplinary team of pediatric specialists to treat. It is a good time to seek help if a child still wets the bed after they have turned 5 to 7. Treatment is not indicated for children younger than 5 years as bladder control is still underdeveloped in those years and the symptoms are likely to spontaneously resolve. When you take your child to the doctors for concerns about bedwetting, they will ask questions relating to the symptom, including his or her nighttime routines, diet developmental milestones, family history of bedwetting, recent stress and use of medicines that could predispose to it. A diagnosis of primary bedwetting is straightforward and often requires no diagnostic investigations. However, for secondary bedwetting, your child's doctor may order certain tests, including urinalysis, x-rays and ultrasounds of the urinary organs, including the kidneys and bladder, and sleep tests. Treatment for bedwetting varies depending on the underlying cause. If a doctor finds an underlying condition, emotional or medical, it will be treated appropriately. Once these causes are addressed, bedwetting resolves by itself. Doctors recommend treating a child with primary bedwetting symptoms conservatively using home remedies. These techniques are often successful in eliminating bedwetting. These include number one, reduce the intake of fluids and caffeinated drinks and foods at nighttime. Number two, have your child urinate just before bedtime. Number three, set timelines for your child to use the toilet. However, be careful with this because the frequently awakening may alter your child's sleep pattern and worsen the symptom. After at least seven nights of keeping a toilet schedule, the child may begin to wake up by himself to use the toilet. Number four, use cognitive behavioral techniques. So these are self-awakening programs, such as daytime rehearsals, that help your child simulate nighttime conditions, such as pretending to be partially asleep when they go to urinate during the day. Number five, create a system of reward for every night your child makes it through the night dry. Such reward systems have been found to improve bedwetting in most children with significantly low relapse rates. Number six, avoid using diapers for your children at night, as this may reduce the motivation to use the toilet at night. Number seven, provide adequate emotional support as your child gets through this. Avoid blaming, teasing, or punishing your child for bedwetting, as these exacerbate the issue. Again, focus on the problem, not the child. Number eight, use bedwetting alarms. A majority of children who use these alarms stop bedwetting after 12 weeks. So these alarms work by setting off with loud sounds when the child starts to wet the bed. This wakes the child up to finish urinating in the toilet. Now these bedwetting alarms have become the mainstay of treatment for bedwetting and are even preferred over medicines. Our final question for today, are there drugs for bedwetting? So two drugs are approved by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, for the treatment of bedwetting. So these include desmopressin and imipramine. However, doctors only resort to these treatments when home remedies fail. The problem with these medicines is that they have a lower cure rate of 10 to 60% and a high relapse rate of more than 80%. This is unlike bedwetting alarms that have a cure rate of over 90% and a low relapse rate. Furthermore, children who have an underlying structural problem may need surgical correction to eliminate their symptoms. Thank you so much for joining me. That is all I have for you. 
Now, for more information on health-related topics like this, simply log on to www.kitikahealth.com. That is C-U-T-I-C-A health.com. And for more episodes like this, find us on your podcast platforms like Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts at Carigo by Cutica Health. I hope you always stay alive, healthy, and kicking. Don't forget, this is still Carigo by Cutica Health, and I am still your host, Aman. I'll see you next time. Thank you.